Clemson with time. End to end they go. And there it is. 2.5. It's trained. 71-70. Clemson. Clemson wins. Welcome back, everyone, to the Locked On Clemson podcast. You've got Matt Smith here with you talking all things Clemson. We're covering Chase Bryce, Brinson Buckner, and Brad Brownell's team's chances of making the NCAA tournament. We're doing that today with Anthony Greer from Fox Sports Spartanburg. And one of the reasons I reached out to Anthony, no one's tougher on Brad Brownell than Anthony is and not always very much a realist and not an optimist when it comes to Clemson hoops. But this team's starting to win Anthony over a little bit. I don't know if he's ready to say that they're even a fringe NCAA tournament team, but they have been a lot of fun to watch, including their win over Syracuse the other night. And seeing Clemson make the adjustments at halftime and Tevin Mack get all those easy looks at the bucket as he was rolling through in the mid-post and high-post area. So Amir Sims didn't get it going, but Tevin Mack and Clyde Trapp did. An exciting win over a brand-name program for Clemson. And they are where they need to be in terms of their record in the ACC, 5-5. Five and five. I think at the beginning of the year, every Clemson basketball fan would have taken that. Now, also, Chase Bryce, Brinson Buckner, we'll talk about the star system. And when I say the star system, I mean the recruiting rankings done by rivals and 24-7. And just dig into that a little bit, how we should respond to that. Not, not just in terms of where a team ranks, like Clemson being third right now in the 24-7 composite rankings, but also how you should view individual players and what are the holes in the game of the star-rated system? What should we look past? Where is its weakness? So when you look at the components of recruiting rankings, how you should react, how you should be absorbing that information. And the latest on Chase Bryce, I don't know how you feel about Chase Bryce. I'm a Chase Bryce fan. I like the way he's handling his transfer, and I think we need to kind of understand, respect, this is where, this is the era. And I don't know if the NCAA may tighten these regulations even further, but for someone like Chase Bryce and the way Clemson recruits at that position, of quarterback, it was going to be tough for him to see any significant snaps. And that is the reality. So, he's a Clemson Tiger through and through until he's not. And the latest news is that Chase Bryce, who is set to graduate and is going to have two years of eligibility. So, there's a lot of career for Chase Bryce and an opportunity, yes, to make the NFL. The latest news on Chase Bryce, who is graduating in May, is that he is visiting Duke, which could be a really nice fit for Chase because I think he's got the same tools that Daniel Jones had. Daniel Jones became a first-round draft pick under David Cutcliffe. Now, that might have been a reach for the New York Giants 
And Chase Bryce probably won't be a first-round draft pick, but he will probably get a look at the NFL. Uh, I think his tools are there. He's not you know, big-armed with the stature. Uh, he's not going to be in the mold of, as you know, I don't know, Trevor Lawrence, for instance. He's not John Elway. He's not Andrew Luck. But he could be someone like Daniel Jones that gets a look at the next level. Why can't he be like Ryan Tannehill and get opportunities over and over at the next level? Why can't he hold a clipboard like Charlie Whitehurst did for so many years? Maybe Chase can make that happen, but he needs snaps to do it. So that's the decision he's making. He's moving on. We don't know that it's going to be Duke, but we do know that he is meeting with the Duke Blue Devils, and we do know that David Cutcliffe has a history of turning out quarterbacks. And also, it seems that NFL scouts may look favorably upon David Cutcliffe as well. So if Bryce goes to Duke, they feel like that's a system that you can learn, that you can translate what they do at Duke into the NFL and the verbiage and, and the way they read coverages. It's kind of an NFL training ground. Uh, and, not, and not to mention, by the way, we look at it academically, put football aside, just go to a really good academic institution. You have a chance here, you're going to get a scholarship, use it to go somewhere like Duke. Hunter, went, Hunter Johnson went to Northwestern. That's a valuable degree, uh, you know, graduate degree, what he's done there. So Chase Price has the opportunity to get a degree from Clemson and then a graduate degree from Duke University, play some football, showcase his skills for the scouts. Could be, could be. The way that works out. We'll talk to Anthony Greer, Fox Sports Spartanburg, about that in just a few minutes. And recruiting and recruiting rankings. And also, we're going to talk hoops with Anthony. Every year, it seems Clemson fans are left gnashing their teeth right around ACC tournament time. Because there's always, it seems, wood left to chop. It always seems that Clemson is on the bubble. And then there's all that discussion, just as they were a year ago. They needed to beat NC State. They need to get this done. You need to make the semifinals or you need to play until Friday. You need to do whatever you have to do. It's always there and there's so much pressure on Clemson heading in to that time of year. And we'll talk to Anthony Greer about that. And maybe, just maybe, this team has the makeup uh, physically and mentally to withstand that. Quick news on Brinson Butner, longtime NFL player. Clemson legend, he is back with the Arizona Cardinals as their defensive line coach. He was with the Oakland Raiders coaching Cleveland Farrell last season, but John Gruden replaced Brinson Buckner with one of his old friends, Rod Marinelli. So Buckner was looking for a job, and he got it. He's back with the Arizona Cardinals, a team he'd worked with previously 2013 through 2017. So Clemson Tigers doing well, not just on the field of play, but making a name for themselves after their playing days as well. So we'll take a break here on the Locked on Clemson podcast. When we come back, we will join Anthony Greer, Fox Sports Spartanburg. We're talking Clemson basketball, big-time recruit P.J. Hall, and Clemson football recruiting. On the other side, this is your team every day, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Second downfield, scans downfield, fires to the end zone, it's intercepted, picked off by Nolan Turner, and the Tigers are not going to be dethroned tonight, they'll punch their ticket to New Orleans. 
This is the Locked On Clemson Podcast. Anthony Greer, Fox Sports Sparkbrook, joins us in just a moment to talk Clemson hoops. Also, P.J. Hall, the highly recruited player out of Dorman High School that has committed to Brad Brailnell and Clemson and what the future holds for that Clemson program. We'll also touch on football recruiting in our final segment here on the Locked On Clemson Podcast. Now, as we project Clemson hoops the rest of this season, TeamRankings.com, pretty good website in terms of hard and, you know, kind of splashing cold water in the face of fans because most of the time fans have a habit of hedging toward, well, if you are even with a team like Virginia Tech or Notre Dame or Georgia Tech, you're going to get the wins over them. But TeamRankings.com does a pretty good job of laying out the percentages, the chances that a team like Clemson can make the NCAA tournament and how they project to finish both in conference play and overall. And right now, as we look at TeamRankings.com, they have got, by the way, they've got Duke finishing on top of the ACC. The projection is that Duke could finish uh, kind of like 16 and th- uh, 17 and 3, 16 and 4 somewhere. Louisville's right there with them as well. So no surprise, Duke, Louisville, then Florida State. Virginia, Syracuse, NC State, Virginia Tech finishing ahead of Clemson, kind of by percentage points. Uh, they've got Clemson projected to go nine and eleven or ten and ten in conference play, which would leave them about fifteen and fifteen overall uh, through the season. That wouldn't be good enough. Uh, that's not what Clemson fans want. But something interesting. I think there's a really good chance. I know that bracketology, Joe Lenardi only has about four ACC teams in right now, but look at these teams ahead of Clemson. Duke, Louisville, Florida State, Virginia, Syracuse, NC State, Virginia Tech. I think there's a good chance all of those teams end up tournament teams. So Clemson's in good company. Those are the teams finishing ahead of Clemson, according to the projections by TeamRankings.com. So the Tigers need a couple of things to go their way, but look at what else they've accomplished. They've already beaten Duke ahead of them. They've already beaten uh, NC State ahead of them. They've already beaten Syracuse ahead of them in these projections. So Clemson has really outperformed, overperformed these projections so far. And we'll see if maybe what they found with Tevin Mack the other night against the Orange is something they can implement in the game plan. I know that was somewhat special because Syracuse played a zone and Tevin Mack was playing so well in the mid-post area and it, it turned out it was an athletic mismatch down there in the paint in Mac's favor. But, but, sometimes it's not about matchups. It's about confidence for a player. So if Hunter Tyson's confident, based on the way he played at Wake Forest, Tevin Mack is confident, Clyde Trapp is confident, coming off a career-high 17 points against Syracuse, and then you get Amir Sims going back, why can't Clemson finish? ahead of Virginia Tech or NC State or Syracuse in the final ACC rankings. Get up there, pull a couple of upsets, get up there, 17, 18, 19 wins before the ACC tournament. Could happen. Now, I talked about getting a splash of cold water in the face. That's usually what we get from Anthony Greer, Fox Sports Spartanburg, when it comes to Clemson hoops. Here he is, a little bit surprised. Going to give uh, Brad Brownell and Clemson a little bit of credit for knocking off Syracuse at Little John Coliseum. Playing Syracuse, I thought it was a bad matchup. Hughes and Bayheim hitting a lot of threes. Clemson, if they were going to win, we're going to have to win, you know, offensive rebounding, and they were going to shoot well from three, something they haven't done a lot. Syracuse is coming in on a, a five-game winning streak. So everything kind of pointed to 
you know, this was probably going to be maybe a close loss. I didn't think it would. I thought that they'd lose by, you know, 10, and it was well on its way there. And once again, if you had told me before this game that Amir Sims is going to finish with like two or three points, I would have gladly said this is going to be a 10 or 15 point loss. But no, as you said, it's kind of the tale of a Mac show. A guy that has been, that was brought in big time transfer from Alabama. There were higher expectations for him this year. I don't think he's quite lived up to him. A little too inconsistent. One game it's kind of six points, the next it's 15. But he picked kind of a, a perfect night to have the best night of, of his, obviously, his Clemson career. I think he ended up being a career high with the 32 points. And then you flip over to a guy like Clyde Trapp, who I'm not a big Clyde Trapp guy, but he does provide great things. He can provide good defense. He helps with depth. He can now take Dawes, the other freshman point guard, and kind of keep him a little bit more on the bench where he needs to be right now at this point in his career. But then he, he comes out and actually has a good shooting night and puts up kind of 17 points. And that's kind of been the thing, as you mentioned. We talk about beating Syracuse, beating North Carolina. They've beaten Duke. Uh, all these nice wins they've gotten in the last month. And what's been surprising about it is I believe like every single one. I know Syracuse and North Carolina. There was another one mixed in there somewhere. They were down 10 in the second half in all of these games. And somehow continued to come back in the second half, continued to not fall off in the last five, six minutes, which Brad Brownell teams are known to do. And they keep finding ways to win. I just, to me, when we look at this team real quick, long-term, looking towards postseason basketball, you got to have two guys scoring every night. That's been the theme all year long. Can somebody step up with Amir Sims? Because he's been the guy most of the year. Maybe it is Mac now. If they can get two guys to score consistently every night, yeah, this team can make some sort of you know postseason basketball. It's the same thing with Syracuse. Syracuse came in on a five-game winning streak. It's because Hughes and Bayheim, two of their players, have, playing, have been playing well into this game, putting up 20 points per game. It'll be interesting to see with the schedule that's coming up here soon for Clemson, some winnable games, if they can get consistent scoring from two different guys night in and night out. It's like every year Clemson fans are hand-wringing and gnashing their teeth at the ACC tournament. Will they need one win? Will they need two wins? Do they have to make the finals? Do they have to win the whole thing? And right. I – I'm afraid, as well as they've played recently, five wins in seven games, that's still what it's going to come down to, right? That tournament. I, I just, to me, what I, maybe I'm different. Because for me, with the ACC tournament, I'm more of, can we get to Friday? Like, I, I'm tired of getting bounced on Thursday every single year. But you talk about it, this team's sitting at 11 and 9. The good thing for Clemson this year is they don't actually really have a bad loss. Some people might point to the Yale. That's not a bad loss. Yale's first in the Ivy. They're probably going to end up winning and get to the tournament. They almost beat Penn State, North Carolina, so it's not terrible. So maybe the worst loss at this point is maybe Miami, who I know beat Virginia Tech the other night. They haven't been healthy. And they've got some nice wins. You beat a Duke. You beat a Syracuse, who should be going to the tournament. NC State, maybe a tournament team. Uh, normally North Carolina would be a nice win, but this year maybe not so much. So for me, if, if, if we're looking, you got the next four games, you know, Wake Forest, uh, at Virginia, Notre Dame, Pitt, you need to at least go two and two. You'd have to go three and one in that stretch because you need to stack as many wins as you can because once you get to the ACC tournament, no matter what it is, even if this team were to get to the ACC tournament and somehow they're 18 and 13, you're still going to have to win at least a tournament game in order to make some NCAA take away because I don't see them making that. But if we're talking just NIT, this team, as I just said earlier, I don't know if they have a consistent second score. 
So I don't know if they can put together four or five consistent games in a row before we get to the end of the regular season in the last nine, 10 games. So therefore, once they get to the ACC tournament, yeah, they're going to have to win a game or two. And if you know Clemson basketball history, that's I think they make a run in the ACC tournament once a decade, maybe. And we're talking about just getting to maybe the semifinals, not even the finals or anywhere of that nature. So it, it's going to be a tall order. But I think if, if this team wants to make some sort of postseason tournament, and I'll stick with NIT, they'll have the opportunity here the next couple of games when they play under Pittsburgh. Because the ACC is down a little bit this year. They only get five or six teams. Those are the teams you're going to be battling for, for an NIT bit. And those are the games they're going to need to win. So they need to take care of business in the regular season first. If not, then, yeah, it sets up for another typical year where they're going to have to make a run to the final or win the whole thing. And past history tells us that that's more than likely not going to happen. Back on the Locked On Clemson podcast, Matt Smith here with you. We've got Fox Sports Spartanburg's Anthony Greer. We're going to finish up with Anthony talking about Clemson's chances for postseason play, the recruitment of P.J. Hall, how important it is to get that Dorman Cavalier on campus, uh, get him all signed up and at Clemson. And then also we're going to talk about the recruiting ranking system. Where may be the flaws in that system and how should you view it as a football observer and somebody that's trying to track the talent that Clemson is accruing, how seriously should you take individual star rankings for players? Should you just look at it, kind of give it the 30,000-foot view and just say as long as Clemson is is picking up four- and five-star players at a high level, just worry about that? Then you have to factor in player development, and Clemson's done a tremendous job with that. Robbie Caldwell stands out uh, as somebody that's been outstanding in terms of player development, getting his unit to overachieve from where the recruiting rankings were. And also, we'll touch on whether these recruiting rankings have become more sophisticated over time. We'll cover all that ground with Anthony Greer, Fox Sports, Spartanburg. You can catch him on Open Mic Daily weekdays on Fox Sports 1400 in the Spartanburg area and also all over the world online at SpartanburgSportsRadio.com. But we'll start with this. All the advantages that Clemson has as a football program now in terms of name recognition, brand recognition, that Paul is picking up recruits into Canada, coast to coast, all the way out to California. But in basketball, it's not the same brand name. Clemson resides in the ACC. They have to overcome some of the names to get headlines in that conference. Now, that's good news, bad news. It's good because you beat a team like Syracuse. You knock off an NC State. You beat Duke. That resonates throughout the country. It resonates with recruits, other coaches, and the NCAA Tournament Committee. But push comes to shove. Late March, and the committee is making decisions. If Cole Anthony is healthy again at North Carolina and they get rolling, will the committee like a hot North Carolina team with that brand name? I mean, let's be honest. They're playing with Michael Jordan on the jersey, the Jordan brand. What about Virginia, the defending national champions? What if they are right there with Clemson in terms of net rankings, all the analytics, all the metrics, and a similar conference record. 
The NCAA committee says they only look at the numbers and never the brand name, never the name on the front of the jersey. But it would be very tough to believe that Clemson, all other things being equal, gets to the NCAA tournament over a Virginia or a North Carolina or even maybe a name like NC State. Virginia, bringing Virginia before they beat Florida State the other night. This is the defending national champ. They were, if you look at bracketology, they were on the outside. Now, beating Florida State, they obviously should be back in on it. But if it gets down to, I mean, heck, you can go to last year where we thought, we thought that the Clemson-NC State game was a playing game. And heck, if I remember correctly, Clemson ended up losing. I don't think either one of them ended up getting in. I think NC State was left out. They might have got one of the last four spots. I, I can't remember. But we're talking about name recognition. I mean, for a year where the ACC's down and you're going to only end up probably getting, instead of getting your typical seven, eight, nine, you're more at the five, six. It just makes it makes that line that's always thin even more thinner. At this point, for Clemson to be even, to be even, in the NCAA talk, they'd have to go on, and, and I think they got Louisville. You'd have to beat Louisville, Florida State. You'd have to really stack some nice wins. And as I said earlier, this team's just not consistent enough. At the end of the day, though, to change the subject just real quick, there's been people out there ask, will Brownell get to come back? He's getting to come back. You beat Syracuse, Duke, North Carolina in a month. You're not going to lose your job at Clemson. As much as it pains me to do this, I have to give him credit. The last month since the, the first time they played NC State, they've made the correct adjustments. They're more healthy. They figured out what this team is. You know, it's it's is it you know too little, too late for postseason play or NCAA tournament? Probably so. But you kind of have to look at this program and you see PJ Hall and guys coming in. He returns a lot of guys on next year's team. This team should be an NCAA tournament for next season, and then to go back to this season. This was before Telvin Mack came in. We were having a discussion with this team win nine or ten games this year. When Mack came in, just started thinking maybe NIT, maybe 15, 16, 17 wins. I think at the end of the day, this team's probably going to end up finishing about what we thought or maybe have even exceeded, maybe for me, my expectation just a little bit. So it's it's weird to say this for a team that's going to finish with 15, 16 wins, but it's actually kind of been more of a successful year than I originally would have thought maybe back in April. Yeah, I, I actually think it has been, uh, it's gone remarkably well based on the personnel. And you just, you, you dropped a name there, P.J. Hall. I mean, Brad Brownell's not going anywhere with P.J. Hall coming in. And you're right there in Spartanburg. So tell us about Hall as a player in high school, how he projects, and, and what he might mean to the Clemson program. Well, you know, we talk about everybody that's coming back on this team next year. It, it, it helps so much because now a guy like PJ, who's, who's highly talented, can make all the shots. He's got little things. He's going to have to come in and, and bulk up a little bit and get bigger, obviously. And that's something you look forward to, you know, after he gets a year, you know, a year into the, the program or the system, whatever you want to call it. He's got the little natural things that he needs to work on a little bit better at rebounding, getting a mid-range shot. But he's a guy that I feel perfectly fine that we'll look up in two or three years is going to be a great player. I'm just glad that one of these programs in state, South Carolina and Clemson, were able to keep a top in-state talent in like P.J. Hall. He's a guy that obviously after the last couple of years letting certain guys, and then Zion and John Moran are guys who are obviously a little bit more talented. But a guy like P.J. Hall, it was refreshing to see him actually stay in state. And a guy that I look forward to in a couple of years, who I think is going to, you know, 
probably have a career similar to you know one of the Booker brothers that you know from Union how they how kind of a career they were able to have. PJ's a guy has it written all over him that's going to be a, a special player for Clemson. Well, let's talk quickly about football. We we want to touch on football every time. Uh, a couple of different things. One, how about Chase Bryce? What what, what is your take on? Uh, the talk that the chatter that he could land at Duke, so he'd be in conference. Is that a good fit for him? And in this era now with transfers, are we? Is, is it kind of like when Kurt Warner went to the Arizona Cardinals? I was a Kurt Warner fan with the Rams, and then he went to the Arizona Cardinals, and I kind of pulled for him there too. Would you pull for Chase Bryce? You know, if you caught him on a on a noon game uh, playing for Duke or, or someone. Yeah, because I think you know, for me, uh, we all kind of knew back in August. You know that, that this was probably going to happen. Um, he knew the coaching staff knew. They kept it very quiet. Didn't really tell anybody, or he didn't tell anybody. He went. He didn't become a distraction, and he did his job. He's going to graduate the degree and move on. I love the Duke. If that's where he ends up going, that was somebody back when Bentley announced that he was going to transfer. I pointed right to go to Duke for a year, start on a master's degree, and try to get a Duke degree. But get to play for Coach Cutcliffe, if he can't give, get you drafted or ready for the NFL, I don't know who else could. So I think that would be a perfect place for Chase Bryce if he wanted to go for a couple of years. And then you talk about cheering for him. Like I said, you didn't leave really on bad terms. You came in, accomplished what you needed to do, which was to get a degree. He got his degree. People will obviously remember him for what he did in the Syracuse game. But the guy's too talented. You know, he's not on that level that, that Trevor Lawrence is. He's not on the level that DJ is who's coming in. But this is a guy who can go out and have success at a lot of Division One schools and possibly get drafted. So there's obviously no ill feelings. Well, I personally will cheer for him. I've cheered for Hunter Johnson and, and Tariq Cooper, who went to Jacksonville State, guys who, who've moved on. If it's if it's a guy like this that's a team player that didn't make it about him, that just went and did his jobs, getting his degree, it's hard, it's hard not to be angry or, or cheer against that. And like I said, if he ends up at a place like Duke or anywhere else, he's going to be highly successful. All right, final question, because this is the topic we're going to kind of talk about right up until signing day, which is how do you view – we know Clemson's an elite recruiting program now. How do you view kind of the rivals rankings, the 24-7 composite rankings? How much do you buy into those? Uh, But Will Merritt – he doesn't like, I don't believe, the, the star system, you know, kind of almost branding yeah. kids. But also, there's a lot of evidence on the side of rivals and ESPN and, and the 24-7 rankings that the most talented teams are the ones that are left standing at the end of the year in the college football playoff, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, et cetera. So where do you land on it? And how do you view it kind of when Clemson's doing well and there's and you you know, the first thing you hear is another five-star kid visits Clemson. How do the stars work with your perspective on it? You know, it's so weird because we'll we'll go on our show on the radio, and, and when I say kids' names, that's what we always throw out. You know, it's just the easiest thing to look at and give you kind of an idea. This guy's a five-star. He's the number four defensive end. You know, here in the country, that's the things that we go off of. As far as looking at it, I mean, listen, it's not a perfect science. I go to 24-7 because they do the composite ranking where they take everybody's and kind of put it again. I feel like I try to be fair. But this isn't 2002 when all these things were kind of starting and you had, you know, Bumblegum, you know, internet guy just putting his opinion. 
these websites are, are bringing people in, scouts are paying people to go out here and, and look at it. I get it. There's a thousand some odd kids every single year. They can't get all of them. Yes, they do tout and highly rank, you know, kids that come to their camps. That's really probably the only one thing that I don't like. But for it to be something where it's such a wide net, they do is probably the best job that they can. And as the years have went along, they've gotten better and better and better at it. You know, and, and Kirk Herbstreit and Chris Fowler brought this up before the national championship game or one of the semifinals. They go, you know, it's something that we never looked at. But when you look at the data, it's starting to show more and more of the last couple of years. If you hit, I think they like to call it a blue chip ratio. If you're, if you're over a certain percentage, 52% or somewhere in that range, those are the teams that are consistently competing for national championships. So there's proof. Is it perfect? No. It's just like if you're doing the draft. It's never going to be a perfect system. You're going to have kids that are five-star, you know, like a Mike Bellamy who ends up doing nothing. And then you've got the two-star kid that you see at your local high school, like a Hunter Renfro, and you go, I know that kid can play, and he ends up being kind of a star. It'll never be a perfect science. But it's getting better and better every single year, and I don't think it's something that you can just kind of scoff and throw to the side. It is highly important.